0: you this morning. This is not our normal welcome time. I'll be back up in a moment, but uh, I just had to make a comment on what's on the pulpit, okay? Uh, uh, 504 years ago on August 31st, uh, Martin Luther nailed the, I did say November, didn't I? August, August, October, I don't even, okay, October third. Uh, What we celebrate now is Halloween. On that day, uh, the Protestant Reformation got its boost with those 95 theses, and uh, somebody had 95 Reese's taped to the door when I came in this morning. And I thought, that is one of the funniest things that's ever been done. And Matthew, I've I texted with him. He's in safely in Taiwan, so I know it wasn't him. And Ernie just got back from vacation, so I know it's not him. And I'm sh- sure it wasn't Alex, was it? No. So anyway, we'll talk about this a little bit tonight at our praise service. But uh, I di- i know it's very disrespectful to leave it up here, but I'm going to anyway. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. Well, good morning, church
1: family. Let's stand together as we as we open worship. Prepare our hearts to worship you, ever-faithful, ever-true. Forgive our sin and make us new, prepare our hearts to worship you. you. Prepare our hearts for holy ground. Let our defenses tumble down. Come to adore It. you. Prepare our hearts to to worship worship you.
0: Let's join our hearts together in prayer, would you? Father, we do thank you that, uh, Lord, you are in charge of all things. Lord, you are Lord of all. And the day is coming when Christ will come riding on that white horse. His sword will be drawn. And he will make all things right. Thank you for the salvation that you have given to we who are your children to know that we will come riding with you. And uh, Lord, we just uh, want to honor you and give glory to you and give you the worth and the value that is due your name because you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And so help us today to see you in a bright and anew in a glorious way as our reigning Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just have a couple of things for you. One, I want to welcome you to Faith Family Fellowship, especially if you're new to us. Uh, there is a connection card uh, in the pew in front of you. It looks a little bit like this. And if you'd take a moment and fill it out, and then uh, our offering baskets are out uh, as you leave. Just drop that in, and we would appreciate it very much. I've already mentioned to you that uh, Matthew is safely in Taiwan. I, I talked to him yesterday today, or today yesterday. When I talked to him yesterday, it was today. I'll let y'all figure that one out, okay? It was really crazy. He said, I'm sitting here on Sunday morning. It was a Saturday night, and he was sitting there on Sunday morning watching guys play basketball outside the uh, Motel, where he's at, he's got to quarantine for a couple of weeks as they adopt their new daughter, Sophie, and uh, so you want to be in prayer for them uh, while he is gone. also want to remind you that next Sunday will be our in-gathering of our shoeboxes for Samaritan's Purse, and uh, so uh, take time this week. There's some, uh, I think there's some still empty boxes back there. If you've not prepared one, and then we'll have them uh, come together, and then we'll pray over them. Also, uh, there is a uh, del- disaster relief uh, uh, c- uh, catalog back there through Southern Baptist uh, that you can give uh, gifts through at Christmas as well uh, to uh, share the, the love of Jesus Christ. Also, tonight at six, we'll be back here for praise service. And it's going to be different, unique, mostly songs, prayer time, testimony. And uh, so I hope you'll uh, plan to be back here for that. Also, we have a, uh, a need coming up for a weekday preschool teacher. And so we ask you to be in, in prayer about that. Uh, you can either call us here at the church office or contact Ms. Nepha at her uh, email address, that's NINFA at uh, faithfamilyonline.com. And then uh, lastly, uh, I want to say a word about Miss Hannah. Uh, Lord has uh, brought Hannah along for us at a very special time uh, to serve as our financial assistant. And uh, she feels like she's a, that God has said she's finished her task in that capacity. Uh, I, I asked her, I said, am I too hard to work for? And she said, no, uh, that's not the issue. Uh, she's fulfilled her assignment. And uh, so she'll be working with us to the end of the year. But we're looking for somebody uh, to be a financial assistant. So be in prayer for that. Uh, she knows that God has another assignment for her. And uh, we don't yet know exactly what that is. So be in prayer for her and, and Chad uh, as they seek uh, fostering and adopting, and uh, so uh, be, in, be in prayer for them in regard to that. Uh, you know, we uh, we lost uh, in uh, last year in December our church treasurer, uh, Lamar, and uh, and then Sheila who was our financial assistant, uh, retired. And so there was just a great need for somebody to come in and do what really none of us knew how to do. And uh, God has used Hannah in a tremendous way, and we say thank you. All right? right now. And would you stand now? Oh, I left out the Scripture. I forgot the Scripture. Our Scripture that we're learning is from... The book of Romans, in chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. And uh, would you join me as we uh, repeat this together? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus So our salvation is a gift of God's grace, and it is by a purchase price that Jesus paid for us on the cross of Calvary, whereby we are redeemed. Oh, hide his word in your heart, that you and I may not sin against him. Now let's stand together and let's uh, sing to the Lord.
1: Like no other, known you as a father, known you as a friend, and I lived in the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful, all my life, you have been so. So good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me With my life laid down, I surrender now. I'll give you everything. Your Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down I'm surrendered now I'll give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running after me Don't my life You have been faithful Don't my life so, so good With every, every breath, breath that, that I am able
0: Oh, I'm on the
1: of the goodness, goodness of God, God. Oh, all my life you have been faith, so good with, with every breath that I am able, oh I will sing of the goodness of God oh I will I'm sing of the goodness of God sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing lightning, rolls of thunder. Blessing and daughter-stripened, glory and power be to you the only wise king. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was in the is to come, with all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings, you are my everything and I will adore you. Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, red and living water, such a marvelous mystery. are so good. Lord, you're so gracious to us. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather together as believers. God, to worship you, to glorify you through song. Lord, through reading your scripture, through growing in a relationship with you. Lord, I pray for Pastor Joel as he brings the message, that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. That we will leave this building better equipped to be your church. That we will be able to love others well and love you well. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: That's one of those old hymns. Nobody left. Okay. What? Well, the Faith Family was singing it before I got here, and I've been here 15 years, so it's old, right? Okay. <clears throat> anyway, that's, isn't that a tremendous reminder of uh, what God has in store for us? Uh, we've been doing a series on the church, uh, a, a church that's living, alive. And uh, this will be the last uh, sermon that I'll do on that series, Lord willing, next Sunday we'll do a short series on thanksgiving, of giving of thanks, and all that uh, is involved in that, and then hopefully uh, for the month of December we'll do a series around uh, our Lord's coming uh, into this world. So, uh, you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to John chapter 13, I... uh, I knew I had preached through John and so I, I looked up when I had preached on this passage and it was back in uh, 2010 and uh, I kept the same title that I had then, so, but it's a whole different sermon. So same title, uh, but a different sermon altogether, uh, particularly as it relates to what, what we need to be doing as a church. And uh, how we present Christ to the world. So uh, the title is Love's Humility. Uh, you see in the Lord Jesus Christ, Him loving His disciples. And, uh, he, and he who was high became low uh, in humility. And that is the example that He gives to you and to me to follow Him uh, as His children. So John chapter 13, let me... It's a lengthy passage. Uh, we'll begin in verse 1, and it says, And now therefore, or before the feast of the Passover, understand this is Thursday night, the reading of this happens on Thursday evening, and Jesus was crucified on Gro- Good Friday, the next day. So, before the feast of the Passover, when Jew- Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him and said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter said, well, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And then Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, remember whenever he says that, that says, listen up. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know all these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread and lifted his heel against me. He's quoting from the Old Testament. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one whom I've sent. Would you join me again in prayer? And Father, we come to the Scripture and, and, and it is a, a living picture. It's a living example of what you have for us as Christians today to do. And help us to discern and to understand by your Holy Spirit what it is you're saying to us. And then, Lord, we pray you'd grant us the grace that we can respond in a proper way to your great gift and call of salvation, to your great commission that you have given to us, and that is to take the gospel to the world. And the way that you have called us to not only serve each other, but to serve the world around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to see at the very beginning of the text here that Jesus presents himself in his exalted position. Don't misunderstand the fact that he's putting on the robe of a servant. Though he's humble uh, in all of his being... Uh, He had no pillow upon which to lay his head except a rock, the scripture says. Uh, He he was not a man of great wealth, but he was was the second person of the Godhead. He had become flesh that he might purchase our redemption. And so as he begins uh, telling these disciples and He's preparing them for what's about to happen. He's getting ready to be, be betrayed in just a few hours. Uh, he's going to be arrested uh, during the night. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be whipped. He's going to have to bear his own cross uh, to Calvary. He's going to be nailed to it. He's going to have a, a thorn of crowns put on his head. And he is going to go through uh, intense physical suffering. But far worse than that... He is going to have the scorn of the Godhead, the Father, uh, to come against Him. He bears our sins in His body on the tree, and He'll cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And uh, it is a moment in the Trinity that you and I can't comprehend the depth of the price that Jesus paid. But make no mistake, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the creator of the world. In Colossians, it tells us that all things were made by Him, Christ. And apart from Him, Christ, nothing was made that was made. The Father spoke it into being. Christ called it into being. Christ is the one who keeps all things together. I get kind of interested Uh, Sometimes I like to pretend I have some intelligence and I I like to watch uh, uh, things about like uh, uh, dark matter and uh, you know there's a new theory out that they're not really black holes. I don't know if you've been reading that. I know you keep up with science better than I do. That they actually are saying that they're black stars made of black matter and there's a theory about that and wondering how all things are held together in the universe. Well, you and I know what it is, don't we? Uh, we know it's the Lord Jesus Christ that holds all things together and we, we in science can theorize and theorize and theorize over and over again and what we will ultimately come to the conclusion is, is he is... Lord of all. He is our Creator, our Sustainer, and our Savior. It says here that He had come from the Father, and what is He getting ready to do? Return to the Father. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. So He is preeminent in His exalted position. But secondly, notice the disciples' chronic pride. Now, it's not said here in the text explicitly. So I've, I've picked another uh, place for us to, to look at. We'll read it in just a second. But I don't know. I, I grew up uh, when, uh, in an era when you called something a goat, G O A T. You were referring to a car. That was a GTO. That was kind of the nickname for a GTO. You called it a goat. And then, uh, f- I don't know how many years ago, I started seeing this term, GOAT, referring to people, and I thought, well, that's not a nice thing to say about somebody, until I realized it, uh, it's an acronym for greatest of all time, right? Kids, last Wednesday night in our study together, we ran across a man who thought he was the greatest of all time. Do you remember what his name was? Nimrod, right? Do your heads like this. I hope you remember what we talked about. Yeah, we talked about Nimrod. And we talked about what Nimrod's name meant. And that was rebel. And he rebelled against God. And he led the people to build the Tower of Babel uh, to come against the Lord. And what did God do uh, to the people on the planet when uh, this greatest of all time uh, rebelled against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God confused them. And people couldn't understand one another. And I asked the kids, I said, what does the word babel mean? And I got to tell you, they're smarter than you adults are. Because they said, blah, 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 blah. And that's exactly what babble means, right? Have you ever been babbling along? You know, they knew exactly what he was talking They couldn't understand each other. And i got to tell you, the greatest of all time does not work out. It didn't work out for Nimrod. It didn't work out for uh, Goliath very well, did it? Got his head cut off. What about King Saul? Did it work out for the greatest of all time, King Saul? No, it it didn't work out for him very well. What about Herod the Great? Uh, Didn't turn out too good for him. Or Hitler, it it didn't turn out too well for him. And I... I'm not sure how it's going to turn out for LeBron James, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, th- this accolade of greatest of all times was not n- is not a new thing. It's what the disciples st- struggled with. In Luke chapter 22, uh, the disciples began to dispute among themselves as to which one of them was the greatest. They had a problem. They had a problem with uh, their chronic pride that they have, and it's the same problem that you and I struggle with. Um, they 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 said to them, "The king of the Gentiles exercises lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves." That's what Jesus said in response. To the disciples. In essence what he said. If you want to be great in the kingdom. You've got to be the servant of all. Okay. So the same problem that they had. Is the same problem that we have. And that is our chronic pride. And, th- and that's not how God intends for his church to be seen. We're not to be a group of of. Uh, of uh, uh, people that, that are great and uh, honorable, but we're to be seen as servants of other people. So Jesus gives us, thirdly, a living picture in verses 4 and 5. Notice exactly what happens. Jesus rose from supper and then he symbolically puts off, well, he actually puts off his outer robe. And we're going to see where Philippians 2 refers to that. He, he puts off his outer garments, he takes a towel, ties it around his waist, he gets a basin, a, a bowl, and fills it with water, and uh, he begins to wash the disciples' feet. You and I see this in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, where the scripture says, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we say mind here, we're talking about your attitude, the way you think about yourself the way you understand what your role is and your assignment is. Uh, you and I may wind up being the, the boss, as it were, the CEO uh, of whatever business that uh, you may work in. But uh, we get the pyramid upside down in understanding what organizational authority looks like. Uh, we see the pyramid as the person at the top is the one in charge. And the scripture presents the one at the bottom is the one who's in charge. Uh, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count his equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. But what did he do? He emptied himself. He, he laid aside, as it were, the robes, the garments of his authority and his privileges as the second person of the Trinity. And he took upon himself a different clothing. He, he uh, put on the tent of flesh that you and I lived in. So that he can become a high priest. That is a sympathizing high priest. Who knows what it's like to be bullied. I mean, think about it. You know, it never go across your mind that Jesus was bullied. Well, I don't know about you. I've had, I've got, you know, I've had three brothers, and I know what it's like to be bullied. Uh, I was telling my mother the other day. I said, you know, I've got had three brothers, and God's taken two of them home, and He left the one here who used to put a pillow over my head till I passed out. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, you know, Jesus identifies with that. Jesus identifies with us because He has put off. His rights and privileges and took upon himself the form of a man that you and I might have a sympathizing high priest in the Lord Jesus. And being found in human form, verse 8 of Philippians 2 says, He humbled himself even further, allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. He who could have called 10,000 angels. It was predetermined in eternity past, that Christ would come into this world to die on the cross for our sins. And Jesus gladly relinquished His rights and His privileges that He might redeem you. What a, what a picture that is. And when Jesus is washing the feet of these disciples, He's giving us a living example Of how we need to be thinking about our assignments. I was pastoring in another place. I followed a pastor who had been there for uh, 21 years. And uh, when I came in, I could do nothing right. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to follow somebody who had been there so long, retired from there, and seemed like everything I could, I, I, I did just wasn't the right thing. And and, and things were going uh, uh, tough at the time, and I was having a pride problem, just like the disciples. I was struggling with my ego. And uh, he came by to see me. He came by for a visit, and uh, while he was there, I noticed that the carpet in my office was dirty. It was not, had not been cleaned. And I made the comment to him, I'm sorry the carpet is clean, not clean. I guess whoever's responsibility it was didn't come in and clean it. And you know what his response to me was? Well, what's wrong with your arm? Boy, he put me in my place in a hurry, didn't he? And uh, I, I took it to heart. I really took it to heart. To say, you know, th- I'm not above that, am I? And yet at times, what do we think? We, we think that we may be above a certain position, we may be a, above a certain responsibility that we've got to take care of. And what Jesus has done here, he's set the example. He who, when he was reviled, did not revile back. He who said to us, when you someone strikes you on the cheek, give him the other also. This is so hard for us to embrace, and yet it is the model and the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a living picture of the humility of love. Love that is expressed. It's so easy for us to say to someone else, I love you. It's easy. As a matter of fact, why don't you just try it right now? Just say, I love you. You don't like doing that, do you? You're very uncomfortable saying that. Turn to someone you love and say, I love you. There you go. There you go. That feels a little bit better. But you see how easy that is? It's so easy to say to someone, I love you, and and yet when it comes to forgiving them for their transgressions against you. Harsh words. That they may have said to you. Uh, Unkindness. Uh, It's hard to love somebody when it costs you something. When you have to pay a price. when When you have to give up something that you want to do. That's very precious to you. In order to serve them. You see saying to somebody I love you. Is easy but doing it is the. The tough thing, and that's exactly what Jesus poses to us. Fourthly, he's, we see here in this text, Peter's misplaced purity. Peter's misplaced purity. Notice, as as the Lord Jesus comes to wash Peter's feet, in verses 6 through 10, what is Peter's response? Not me, Lord. <laughs> You're not going to wash my feet. And uh, what he doesn't understand is the spiritual truth that Jesus Is trying to teach us as his disciples. If I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. And he makes a really clear distinction here, doesn't he, between washing of feet and of a bath. And and it's a spiritual uh, symbol that he's talking about. The bath represents our cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ when we are born again of the Spirit of God. We are justified by faith. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, the one who was the substitute for our sin. All of your sins have been forgiven. Past, present, future. Amen? Our sins have been... Ca- you know, it makes me wonder when they, when they talk about uh, black holes since I mentioned them and information can't get out of black holes. I thought, well, maybe one of those is where he throws my sins. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But seriously, he says he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west, to remember them no more. What a gracious thing. That's the bath that Jesus is telling Peter about. But he's reminding Peter that, that your heart is still deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Peter, you are capable of denying me. And he's going to tell Peter that. He's getting ready to say that to Peter. To Peter, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows in the morning. And Peter says about that uh, uh, comment from Jesus, that will never happen. I'll, I'll, I'll fight for you unto the death. And what do we see Peter do? We see him fail and we see him not only fail, but he fails miserably. And we need to remember that we can sin, and as children of God, we can sin the worst sins of anybody else. As a matter of fact, maybe the worst sin is the sin of our own pride. And so here here Jesus is saying to Simon Peter, Listen, Peter, you've misplaced where your purity comes from. Your purity comes only from Christ. It only comes from Christ. And Peter had walked through the streets of Jerusalem that day. It's evening time. They've come in and there is no slave or servant to wash their feet from the dirt and filth of the day. And that's when Jesus reminds us that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, we've been justified by grace, but we are sanctified day by day by grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 9 through 11, uh, he re- we're reminded that we were all at one time a wretched sort of people. He says, uh, uh, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So don't be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be fooled into believing. It's okay. Christ redeems us. He saves us. But we're still capable of committing sins. He says... But such were some of you, but you were washed, you were bathed, but you were also sanctified. And that's that daily cleansing from our sin. And you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's a hymn that says, Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want you forever to live in my soul. Break down every idol. Cast out every foe, now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And so our attitude toward the Lord this morning ought to be, Lord, hey, you know, I don't, give me a bath. Lord, cleanse me. You know, that's part of the reason why we come to church on Sunday. It's not so we can be hypocrites, right? Put on a mask and say, hey, everything's okay. I mean, I know the, uh, the unbelieving world accuses us of that. We know better, don't we? We all know better than that. We, we all know that, uh, you know, uh, we know how to paint ourselves up, make ourselves look better than everybody else. But inside, Jesus said, are dead men's bones. And we come daily to the Lord and especially come as a church when we gather together so that we might come into the communion and fellowship of the saints so the blood of His dear Son might keep on cleansing us from our sin. You see, we hear something in the sermon. Somebody says something to us. We Uh, Sing a song, a prayer is prayed, and and the Holy Spirit of God convicts us and points, it's almost as if his finger is, you know, it's like 10 feet long and it points right at your heart and says, this is where you have stepped aside. Come to Christ afresh and anew and be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Then notice also this passage teaches us Jesus' restful perception. There are several verses that do that. And what I mean by that is he rested in what he knew to be true. Uh, In verse 2, he said he knew that Simon was going to betray him. Uh, Jesus had asked the question in chapter 12, Should I run from this? But for this purpose have I come into the world? Do I run from the trouble? Do I run from the trials that I'm going to face? And the answer is no, for this very purpose I have come. He went on in uh, the 11th verse of John 13 and said he knew who it was that was going to betray him and he knew that not every one of them was clean. Who was he referring to? Judas. And what did Jesus do? Did he panic in this moment knowing that Judas is going to betray him? He rested in what was about to happen to him for it was the Father's will that he endure that. And in verses 21 through 30, and we are not going to read the whole of the text, but uh, he tells us in verse 21, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And as soon as he said that, do you remember what the disciples were doing? They were looking around and wondering, who is it? Uh, The one who put his head on Jesus' chest. And who was that? That was John, the beloved disciple. And the question is asked, is it me? And which one of them picked out Judas as being the betrayer? Not a single one of them. Judas was known as a zealot. Do you know what a zealot is? Somebody passionate. That's right. He was passionate. I mean, he was passionate. He was on fire. You looked at Judas and you thought, you know, Peter... He says a lot of dumb things. It might be him. Yeah. They might have looked at John and said, well, You know, John, he's a lover, but lovers, boy, you betray lovers, and they can come hard against you. Nobody looked at Judas and said it. And yet Jesus knew G- uh, Judas's heart. And in the moment that he dipped that uh, bread in the wine and gave it to Judas, the scripture says, in fulfillment of, of the will of God, Satan entered the heart of Judas to do the will of the Father. And I know sometimes you and I struggle with statements like that. And, and you and I need to embrace the truth and reality of that. Sometimes people are hurting you In a way that you think, oh, what have I done? Have I I failed in some way? And it may very well be that God has moved them to be a chisel in your life. To be be like it was a a file to sharpen and hone your life. As one man's countenance uh, uh, rubs against another. God is shaping and He's forming and He's fashioning you. And Jesus gave us this example of resting in the Father's will. Uh, another hymn says, Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at His feet. Or we'll walk by His side in the way. What He says, we will do. Where He sins, we will go. Never fear. Only do what? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. And then number six, let's look quickly at the Christian's humble practice. The Christian's humble practice. Beginning in verse 12, when they had washed, when Jesus had washed their feet, put his clothes back on, a symbol yet again of resuming his authority in heaven. I'm getting ready to leave you after I've gone you call me teacher and Lord, verse 13 says, you're right for so I am. When I've gone, you ought also to wash one another's feet. Now, I'm not going to stand here and say that some other groups, Christian groups that practice washing disciples' feet is something they shouldn't do. If they feel that conviction, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to do. i Got some wonderful stories of some friends of mine that were raised uh, b- brethren, uh, where during that time people came to faith in Jesus Christ and the humility that came out of it. But I think he's doing far more than saying we should wash each other's feet. He's talking about we should be serving one another, we should be caring for one another. And that's the example that Jesus is calling us to, is this humility of practice in caring for one another. The servant is not greater than the master, nor is the messenger greater than the one whom he has sent. So I want to ask you today, before we get to the last point, are you, are you, are you, are you surrendered to those assignments that God gives you? Or do you struggle against them? Well, the answer is yes, right? Sometimes we surrender so easily and gladly to the assignments that the Lord gives us, hard as they may be. And it's out of that walk with Jesus and a remembrance of what Jesus has given to us that we say, yes, Lord, I will do the assignment that you have given to me. And then other times we will be full of self and pride. And we'll bristle against it. And we'll say no. Or maybe we'll be obedient on the outside and disobedient on the inside. You know, I know some of you uh, youngsters can identify with that. Mom and dad tell you what to do. And you know there's consequences for not doing what they tell you to do. And so what do you do? You do it grumbling. Are you grumbly hateful or humbly grateful? The old song asks. And that's what God calls us to. And then lastly, look at the Savior's redeeming provision. The Savior's redeeming provision. Verse 18 says I'm not speaking of all of you that you're going to betray me. I know whom I have chosen, I know my children. I call people by name. You belong to me as Savior and Lord of your life. But for the scripture to be fulfilled, the one who ate bread has lifted his heel against me. He was talking about Satan through Judas, seeking to crush the head of, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ and yet the prophecy of Genesis 3.16, one of those great 3.16s in the Bible. Uh, he just bruised the heel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, what did Jesus Christ do on the cross of Calvary? He crushed the head of the serpent. And so that's what he's saying here. I'm telling you this now so that you know when it takes place, you will know that I am what? He, the I am. I'm the only one. It's a redundancy of uh, pronouns here. There's me and only me. You're going to know that. And you're going to yield to me. And I tell you this, the one who receives the one I send also receives me. Now I left out a passage of scripture that's in Romans chapter uh, 12. Uh, I want to give it to you as an assignment this afternoon. Go get Romans 12 and pull it up. And you'll see that all throughout the whole chapter he tells us this spiritual service that we give to the Lord is one in which we use this in relationship to one another within the church. And then he goes on to say we do it in our relationship with the world. He tells us in the church to try to outdo one another in serving each other. Now that really does sound a little bit proud I guess. If you're not careful. But so humble yourself so that you can outdo each other in serving one another. And then he, he tells us about the world. They're going to know who you are by the way that you love. By the way you love one another. And by the way that you love them. He tells us to do good to those who intend evil toward us. You know, we're living in a day which everybody seems to be angry at one another. I don't know if you've picked up on that. I mean, it's, a, it's the most angry period of time that I've ever known as a human. And everybody's mad at one another. And unfortunately, the church and so many Christian people have taken that posture of wanting to react back. To the unbelieving world out of anger. Facebook. Instagram. Twitter. Places where people feel like they can say whatever they want to say. Whatever you've longed to say to somebody. Say it on there. As if, you know, that's okay. And yet what does Christ tell us to do? He, he, he tells us to, to do good to those who do evil against us, and then he uses an illustration there in Romans chapter 12, and he says, It's like putting fire on their head. And when we heard, I, I grew up hearing that illustration being said, Man, if you just want to get back at somebody that's mean to you, just do something nice to them. Boy, it'll just eat their lunch. I mean, it'll just so frustrate them, make them mad. And the illustration is actually a Middle Eastern illustration that when you traveled, you carried your, you carried a coal in a bucket so that whenever you stopped on your journey, you had something to start a fire with. It's not hurting someone, it's blessing someone. Instead of saying, well, I... I want you to do something nice for someone so you can get back at them for being mean at you. Jesus is teaching us, no, do something nice to someone so that they may know my grace. They may know my mercy. Whether they receive my grace and my mercy or not, that's not up to you. When they receive you, they receive me. When they reject you, they reject me. When we are people, who love humbly. And that's the call that God has called us to. So Father, we come to respond to a living illustration. And Lord, as was said earlier, it's so easy to tell other people we love them. And yet, Lord, You called us to do it. To take To put off all of the semblance of pride and arrogance and rights and privileges. And you told us to put on a towel of a slave and to bend our knee and to do the hard and the dirty and the grimy work that is similar in what you had to endure on the cross of Calvary. And you are our master. And as our master, you told us to serve in the same way that you have served. And so, Father, I pray that this church, Lord, would excel in humble love toward one another and toward an unbelieving world. And help us, Lord, when we are spoken evil of, that we not return evil for evil but, Lord, that we give good. And that, Father, in doing so, that we provide for that person an opportunity to know the light of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, thank you that you have graced us by saving us, calling us by name, choosing us to be your own. And, Lord, help us to rest in that assignment that you have given to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.